Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Uh, today's show is brought to you by, you guessed it, Pack Racing Springs. Pack Racing Springs has over a hundred years of made in the United States of America, grade A, high quality, bald eagle, breathing America, flag saluting spring technology. I can't speak highly enough of their customer service. Uh, also, I don't know if y'all like that or not, but I love that introduction. Um, I love working with Pack Racing Springs, and just to name drop a few people that use Pack, uh, use their springs. Tim Cameron, he's a good one. Lauren Healy, he's a good one. Both of those guys trust Pack Racing Springs to support their machines. The quality is unmatched. Uh, I mean, just the best won't sag are the solution to your problem springs uh, out there on the market. They also include. Uh, Everything that goes really into suspension kits, that includes sway bars, shock tuning, things like that. Guys, I really, really want to emphasize um, the shock tuning. Uh, if you go back and listen to our episode with Chris Berger, we talk a lot about shock tuning, about how you can send your shocks from your side-by-side -side or your full-size rig. Get on the phone with them, send them in, tell them what you want to do. They'll put springs on them, they'll revalve them, they'll rebuild them, they'll, you know, any kind of work they would need done to them. They can do the whole nine yards in-house. All you got to do is put them in a box, ship them, and then open your box back up so they can get back hold of them. You put them on your rig, and you've got the best ride that you've ever had. Seriously, guys, Pack Racing Springs is a great company to deal with. Customer service is A1. I can't speak highly enough of those guys. Um, they have tons of different applications, including valve springs, bump springs, as well as coil suspension springs, things like that. Um, they offer all of our listeners a code, code ROR, on, their, on packracingsprings.com for 10% off discount. Guys, I'm recording this outside and it is so hot in Middle Tennessee and it is like six o'clock at night. It's just brutal out here. I hope uh, those who work outside, I'm sorry about it, but Pack Racing Springs guys, give them a chance, give them a look. Um, Infinite Off-Road is also a company that I highly recommend. Um, light bars, light pods, wheel rings, rock lights, mirrors with lights in them, whips, everything you can think of that has a light. Um, if it's made by Infinite Off-Road, it comes with a 25-year you-break-it-they-fix-it warranty. Um, this isn't just for off-road applications. This is for your truck. This is for your car. This is for your motorcycle. This is everything. InfiniteOffRoad.com offers all Racing on the Rocks listeners 10% off with code ROCKS. Seriously, guys, I've been doing business with Mike and his team at Infinite Off-Road for such a long time. I really can't speak high enough of them. Um, another crew that I really enjoy working with is Dustin Robbins and his team at All Things UTV. Seriously, um, as far as tires and wheels go, um, as far as axles, gated shifters, suspension components, I was talking to Dustin uh, this week on Facebook about how much I really, really like their uh, full suspension package that they offer. It's just a trail suspension. You get special carriers, lower boxed A-arms, special carriers, tie rods, and L&W fab, uh, lower radius rods. Basically, everything you need to not get hung up and have a quality suspension system is right there. Um, they have blow-off valves, performance accessories. They really have a lot on that website, and that website's all things UTV. Um, they're located in Alabama, so they're local if you want to go to a storefront. I believe they also offer maintenance at their storefront as well. Really great guys to deal with. Allthingsutv.com. Okay. <clears throat> Let me get my breath here. Sam Dubay, ladies and gentlemen, is an RC fabricator. Um, he's the first one that I saw really 
other than Emory Works, um, doing some really unique stuff. And uh, I reached out to him a long time ago, and you'll hear about that in the podcast. And I've just kind of been in awe of this guy, and this guy seems to be able to do a clean sweep of most of the events he goes to. Um, really cool guy. Wanted to pick his brain about some tuning and things like that. Uh, it was a good conversation, y'all. And I even drop a little nugget of really cool information coming for next week uh, at the very end of the show. So... I hope that this helps you guys just like it helped me. I'm going to get my car fixed up after talking to him. So without further ado, Sam Dubay. Get a drink and gather around. Let's talk drivers. Let's talk rigs. Let's talk skill. You've got the best of the best in the off-road racing world. Have a seat at the table with us and let's talk about racing on the rocks. All right, Sam, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Uh, how you doing, JC? Uh, I'm pretty good, man. I'm pretty good. Uh, I uh, am really excited to have you on the show. Um, it's kind of funny. Um, I, I hadn't mentioned this to you yet, but um, I actually reached out to you, I think, over a year and a half, maybe two years ago now, and I found you on Instagram and was just blown away by the uh, the outlaw buggy you built, and I actually DM'd you and, like, how did you do this? What tools are you using? All this and that. And uh, it's kind of funny, it's a small world, because uh, once I kind of started the podcast, people started throwing your name towards me. And I was like, no way, I randomly found this guy on Instagram, and uh, here he is again. Yeah, the the magic of Instagram and uh, social media, eh? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, so for our listeners, uh, where are you based out of? Tell us a little bit about yourself outside, you know, kind of the, the RC rock bouncing scene. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, I live in uh, a city uh, called Halifax, uh, and it's uh, in the province of Nova Scotia on the east coast of Canada. Uh, just a small little little province here, kind of just sticking off the end. And um, I do. Um, I also, aside from the uh, chassis building and RC world, um, I also do uh, freestyle uh, motorcycle stunt shows and stuff like that and our group is called stunt 902 and we just we run uh, you know like 600 cc cross rockets and we do like the drifting and the, the nose wheelies and endos and circle wheelies and all that you know craziness right how do you get into that <laughs> i mean that, that seems like absolute madness uh well i i started um like as a like really young i got into mountain biking and uh it just you know it went from like biking to your buddy's house you know, and jumping book bags on the street to actually racing. And I kind of, no, I wouldn't say profession, but, you know, I traveled around, uh, the, you know, the local areas and, and raced uh, downhill mountain bikes and did some dirt jump pumps. And um, I had a pretty bad accident uh, when I was in high school that kind of, I wouldn't say wrecked my mountain bike career, but it, it definitely uh, set me back a while. And my dad and my mom, they're, uh, they're always very supportive of what I did. And so my dad was just kind of like buying me DVDs and, uh, in the stack of DVDs while I was injured was, uh, some stunt, um, stunt riding from St. Louis, uh, down in the States there. And those guys were crazy. And, you know, I'm sitting there cooped up and I was like, man, I got to get into that. So when I was uh, 19, I bought my first, crotch rocket and uh, I didn't even have any really ambition to like ride it on the street I was just like man I'm building a stunt bike and I'm learning how to wheelie this bugger <laughs> man that's uh you know I, I see this reoccurring theme um, from everybody I interview 
And it's just the fact that they like to go pretty much balls to the wall straight out of the gate. And, like, I love that about our sport. Yeah, and, and it really, to be honest, like, another thing that I notice is, you know, I, I don't, I've never really um, been into the off-roading world, like, in terms of owning my own Jeep or building a bouncer. Uh, just, you know, I, not really a lot of area around here uh, to do a lot of hill killing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like the kind of general consensus is a lot of these guys do their own work. And, and I have an extreme uh, respect for these guys, um, you know, in the, especially in the one-to-one world that are, you know, like TC and Will Stewart and Jake Berkey and, you know, Pike and all these other guys. I'm sure I'm forgetting a shitload of them. But, you know, they they go home, they build these friggin' contraptions, and they go out and they just, you know, put them to work. And yeah. that's kind of the same kind of guideline with me in terms of the stunt riding. I, you know, I, I go out, I beat on the thing, and I come home, I do my own motor work. I, you know, I do my own welding. I build my cages and all the parts for the bike. And, just, you know, for what we do, you have to. It's, you know, it's not the same uh, type of driving that the off-road is, but the, the back, you know, the background of it, bringing the rig home to your house, and tearing it down and doing all the work. And that's what I really, really enjoyed, you know, about this stuff. Like, I like running, like, especially in RC world. Um, you know, I love running the rig, mm-hmm. but I love building them just as much, if not more. And I think it's, uh, for me, it's more of a, you know, I try and every time I do something, um, there's always something else. Like, you know, and, and you'll see, you see that in the one-to-one world, like, you know, for example, TC, right? Like, he's everybody's favorite driver. He's, he's a wheel man. He builds his own rigs. And, you know, I, I just really strive to, to keep that kind of level um, in terms of me building uh, with my RC. So, you know, my buggy, my buggy this year, um, it was, I named it Never Satisfied. And that's, you know, a direct correlation to how I feel is usually when I, put the last bolt in the rig before I've even run it. I already have two or three different ideas of what I'm going to change or, 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 you know, uh, look looks wise or whatever. Right. So definitely, uh, it's definitely a big part of part of what gets me, you know, involved in these different kinds of sports and, and, uh, you know, it's what I really enjoy. Yeah. Hey, we're getting a little bit of like static feedback sound, um, okay. kind of sounds like you're making popcorn over there. Um, so, uh, I'm not sure what it is. It sounds I better got, now. I got earphones. Uh, uh-huh. earphone thing. I can try and just unplug and put on speaker if that. Yeah, that yeah, that'll work. Uh, I, I think, I'm actually, for those listeners, um, hopefully it sounds a little different. I'm doing a little bit of a different method myself on my end. Um, I'm not doing the, uh, full system I normally do. I'm doing a, uh, like a partial right into the speaker. So, um, hopefully it's a little more clear. Yeah, can you hear me now? Or are you getting any? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's good. Um, so, you know, kind of, kind of leading off where you went. Um, what I want to do is, I want to talk a little bit about um, never. You know, the current rig you're running right now. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm. Everybody wants to ask you questions because you know exactly. You know, you kind of have an idea. You've been around the block. You've designed things. Um, so I want to spend the majority of the episode really just picking your brain about some things. Um, yeah. So if you want to run through, uh, you know, how did you – did you start with a race? Did you start with a bomber? Or did you start with, you know, a Traxxas? How did you get into uh, the RC world that we have now? 
Um, so uh, I've always, uh, you know, I was always into RCs, uh, you know, just remote control vehicles. Like mm-hmm. my brother, he's, he's quite heavy into the plane. So it was kind of something that we always were always into. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, I know Nick's going to kill me on this one, <laughs> but for me, for me, it was the crawlers, man. I, uh, I got into the night crawlers, the comp crawlers, you know, four wheel steer, worm drive gears. Mm-hmm. Uh, the low Z night crawler, uh, was what I, what basically got me hooked. Um, and I just kind of made a little course in my backyard and started, you know, hill killing with that. And, um, you know, I had a couple buddies come out to my house. And uh, they were just, you know, they, you know, I just handed them the controller, man. I was like, give her. I'll see if you can get to the top of the hill, right? And, um, you know, they got hooked, and they went out and bought rigs, and they bought, uh, like, back when I started, really, it was, like, the SCX-10, like, the OG one. Um, and so we all went out one day, and I went through, like, 10 batteries in the hospital <laughs> that they went through one because like the worm got uh worm drive gears in those night crawlers it's great for crawling um but it's terrible for actually like trail running so um and then you know so i got an fcx 10 and my thing always uh is hill kill i just yeah when it comes to dirt biking when it comes to anything i always just naturally go to the hill i don't know why i don't you know, I've never got hung up on, um, you know, like articulation and flexing over rocks and technical crawling. Um, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it, but for me, it was always like, how steep of a hill can we get up? And that, you know, just with looking into it, I stumbled across, you know, the, the rock bouncing. And <laughs> I'm sure like 99% of people, you know, it was like Bobby Tanner, TC, <laughs> you know, old, old Mad Ram 11, like, you know, uh, fat girl wheeling up that rock ledge, like, you know, yeah. all the, all the infamous, uh, you know, original videos. Right. And, and I was like, man, I'm building one of these, like no question. And, uh, at the time, um, you know, I, I definitely, I'm probably going to give a shout out to him a few times, but, uh, Tim Graham from Emery works mm-hmm. that, that guy built some of the most amazing scale replicas, you he know, does. For sure. And, uh, you know, I, I had sent him off a, a message, you know, to pick his brain. And around the time, I, I can't quite remember. I think it might have been maybe Showtime 2 or Underrated or something. But, I mean, you know, and I don't blame him because his work is, is amazing. But it was around 700 bucks, And, you know, in Canadian money, that's like $5 million. So <laughs> I was like, you know, I was like, well, you know, I should probably – figure out you know like how to build these on my own and i just you know like my first chassis dude is is like it's it's not even good enough for a paperweight you know what i mean like i was like just trying to figure everything out and and you know eventually i just you know i started just getting used to it right like my first chassis was kind of garbage but it worked and then i the first one that i i really tried to replicate um was the show uh tc's showtime two buggy the the first year he went to trail and arm and um i didn't use a race um i mean guys are gonna probably freak out but i didn't even know what a race really was like all i knew is um i wanted a front motor mount set up 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I bought a, a Trailfinder 2 RC four-wheel drive uh, single-speed trans and the, the hammer transfer case, and it just looked like it would work to me. So mm-hmm. I bought it, and, you know, I make my own link mounts. I made my own motor mounts. All that stuff was my very first chassis. I, I went, you know, right, right, to the, right to the guns, and... I didn't know anything about link geometry or any, like the amount of stuff I was cutting and bending to get to fit. <laughs> so, you know, and then I ran that for about a year. And then I think after that one, um, I built, uh, would have been, uh, unfinished business, I believe was, was the next one. And so let, me, was, let me pause you there because yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a little bit I want to unpack on all these. Um, you know, you mentioned for those who, uh, who are listeners? Um, I have a I have a pretty wide variety of people who listen to the show. Um, yeah. Some one to one, some RC. Uh, I would argue primarily side by side guys uh, and, yeah. and and just the fans of the the rock bouncers themselves. Um, I got some West Coast guys too. Shout out to my guys on LA. I see you guys listening. Um, but uh, the SCX10 was kind of the original axial platform. It was you know frame rails. You had two solid axles. You know, coilovers, and, and it was much more of a, you know, uh, slow to mid-range speed, I'll say, uh, because Axial really didn't step into the the big, fast, you know, brushless power cars. And for those listening as well, um, the brushed motors are typically going to be your low-end torque, um, yeah. kind of slower scale, and then the brushless are going to be your faster spinning, you know, more high-end, low, less torque uh, type motor. And uh, what they what they were ultimately able to to do is build these platforms that looked really really scale. And if you haven't ever listened to the podcast I did with Nick from RC Command, we talk about scale versus bouncers versus you know all the different things that we do. Um, but but what what he what <laughs> what Sam has said that made it so kind of relatable is you know it's relatable in the sense that I think Sam you and I have the opposite effect here because I actually was into Jeeps and uh, I was into the big ones and then I was like, oh, I'm going to build a small version of my Jeep and, you know, it was all about trails and articulation and uh, I was at school at the time for mechanical engineering to figure out how can I make the best suspension, what comes next and how to do this and that. So I went the exact opposite route and and, uh, the first bouncer I built was based on the SCX-10 frame rails. I just bent a bunch of brake line put it all together and, and had an SCX-10 bouncer and, and exactly what you said, it was trash. Like it was trash <laughs> and it could, it could kind of climb, but it was pretty much trash. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, go, getting into that, the race was the, you know, wider car. Uh, a lot of times you'll hear him referred to as 1.9 being the SCX-10 smaller platform and 2.2 is the, you know, AR-60 race bomber, what you'll see at a Southern Rock Racing Series race. Um, that's primarily what guys will run. Okay, so that's that was for the listeners to kind of catch them up on the lingo here. Um, yeah. But back to what you were saying, um, how did you that, that first chassis you had where you kind of piece together the parts? Um, what made you think, you know, okay, front mounted motor? What well, where did that come from? Um, well, I mean, you know, some guys look, you know, this. I'll put it this way: like some guys will look at a at a rig. And they want the blinkers. They want, you know, that that rust look, that dent in the quarter panel that their dad's truck had when they were growing up. 
And, like, those, those guys, like, I have mad respect for them. Because some of those rigs, man, you can't tell. Like, when they take pictures of them, you can't tell. Yeah. My, yeah. my scale view is getting up that hill. Mm-hmm. It, it don't matter how your rig looks. My view of what I consider my rig scale is they work in a scale, I guess, a scale way to the real one. Yeah, like and, a, a scale environment, basically, as well. Exactly. And, you know, when you look at, I mean, obviously there's exceptions, especially Outlaw. I mean, he just, uh, you know, when they first came out with that one, um, I think everybody was kind of shell-shocked, man. Like, that, yeah. that that first show out with that buggy, and he got up them hills like he did, um, it really changed the game. But you, you really, if you look at it, man, like, the way I did anyway, like, 98% of the buggies out there are a front motor setup yeah the most you know i mean don't get now they're they're changing geometries and pulling them back and you know what i mean just to make them more race orientated but in in the end the motor's still in the front of the buggy so that that to me was like well if i'm going to build a scale rig like i don't really care as much for the interior but i'd rather have my weight and everything set up so that was just the call that you know i just i just felt that's what i wanted to build um, and then, um, and so when I, you know, I, n- no lie, like I went on eBay and I just typed in like RC, you know, 10th scale transmissions mm-hmm. it was like, you know, your, your typical, like, you know, Vanquish, uh, SCX 10 trans or, or a race or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, which are, 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 they're fairly similar. I know, I know the race has like a bit, uh, longer back on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of like the mounting point and like where they sit in the buggy, they're, they're pretty much identical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, I saw the R3, uh, trans single speed trans and the hammer transfer case. And I was like, shit, like that looks like yeah. what I, that's what I want. You know, I didn't even know what a TF2 was. I had no idea. Yeah. I just was like, that works for me. That's what I want. And so I bought that. Um, you know, and that's was my, my plan really from, from day one was, uh, I just wanted that front motor mount. And then obviously, you know, 10, 15 chassis in now that's, that was like one of the first things that I picked. And now, you know, everything always changes, but other than, you know, the, the height of where the motor's at or the, or where it sits in the chassis, I'm, I'm probably always going to run, uh, the motor in the front. So. Well, I'll tell you, man, when I, when I first came across you, you were the first person I'd ever seen run a front motor like that. And it blew my mind because I didn't know that was even like a thing that people could do. And it really, in my opinion, it's kind of like iconic for your chassis because I had never seen it before. You were the first one, you know, you mentioned you continue to run it that way. Obviously there's performance benefits having that weight up there. Um, but I mean, more than anything, like you're exactly right. You it, it is scale. It, it's pretty cool to see one where you know you can't buy that off the shelf, and I think that just adds to the you know ingenuity of what you're doing. And and I mean like like uh, and that's where the other side of like kind of seeing all the different areas of the RC trail trucks and buggies and stuff because. I mean, for years, like, there's a Canadian company called GCM, um, and they make, 
like all kinds of crazy frames and stuff for like the trail trucks, right? But they actually had a, a front motor mount conversion for the FCX10, and I, I eventually picked it up for my. I had a hill rod, uh, mm-hmm. just it was a, tra- a trail truck for killing hills, and um, it was. Uh, I put it in that, and I converted an FCX10 over to trailing arms, and that was like way before I even thought of making bouncers. So mm-hmm. things like things that you kind of pick from different aspects of the hobby, you you can really utilize, you know, different ideas, and and for me like that. The trail trucks, they did have, there were a few kind of, uh, setups that came with the front motor mount, mm-hmm. uh, like the TF2 and stuff with the, the single speed trans. So I just used what was already available to me. It just allowed me to put my, my, I guess, idea of a buggy in, into place. So that yeah. definitely, that definitely was a, was a big, big help. But yeah, man, I, I, to be honest, dude, I'm like, I'm, I completely appreciate, you know, what you said about Iconic and stuff, but, like, being humble, like, I almost can't believe that nobody else has done it. Like, yeah. you, know, you know, you know, that's what kind of blows me away. It's like, man, like, you see these these guys, like, you know, uh, I mean, I guess the Ultra 4 RC stuff, you, you kind of want, like, a, a, a equal weight ratio for the racing and stuff, but in in terms of the the hill stuff i always was like i always was wondered why no one had really tried it or or maybe perfected something that was already out there but you know hey whatever it is what it is i guess right you know yeah i mean hey it's like i said you made it you made it part of your your system so if it works it works and uh it's now associated with you i feel like um but back to what you were saying after you had the initial buggy run uh, I believe you said you were building to finish business. What was that, sorry? Uh, after your initial buggy you built, I think you said you had moved on to building unfinished business. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So uh, that was like I was uh, – to be honest, I I was already – I had probably the the Showtime 2 chassis ripped apart, uh, you know, for a few weeks. And I was like really – to be honest, I was waiting to see what TC built. Mm-hmm. And he built Moneymaker, and I was like, "Damn, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. is, is is IFS now going to be the rock bounce and stuff? You know what I mean? Like, is that yeah. going to be the the main focal point of the front end, you know, setup? Um, and then, you know, it, it happened the way it was, and he he built Unfinished Business, and I was like, "You just building that? Like, that was the next day, as soon as Mad Brand yeah. dropped, dropped the video, like I took screenshots of it." And I think I had it done, you know, three, four days later. And that was, like, probably one of the first, like, well, it was the, the second, like, I guess I would call official chassis that I built that was, like, a, a replica. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, like, I was just, like, it just worked. I don't know why, but it just worked so much better than the Showtime 2. And I think that's when I really found, like, my main kind of start, like, how I always set up the buggy in the beginning Mm-hmm. Is is always the same. It's always the same uh, frame rail geometry. Uh, how I make my my skid plate, basically the sub chassis that holds mm-hmm. like the motor link mounts and all that stuff, uh, doesn't really change. It's it's pretty much been the same um, throughout my go um, until I switched into leading arm. So, yeah, and I'll tell you, man, I think that that's the same kind of style that you know. Obviously, production chassis go that way, but. Um, you know, especially over the past 
three or so years, you know, the past two or three buggies Tim has had, um, they've all been similar, and they're just getting improved in different places, and I think that you're exactly right. That whole subframe area seems to be nailed, so he's, you know, focusing on other areas of improvement. So I, I think that that's awesome, man, and I, I'm, like, stoked to hear that you have a formula that's worked for you. I appreciate it, man. I really do. Um, so after that car, uh, you know, what what came next? Was it the outlaw buggy? Um, yeah, so I think I think it was around. Well, it was it was pretty close to the the original. Because when I built, I know a lot of people like that that picture of it's been floating around. Everyone says outlaw one, outlaw two, and all this stuff. Or you should have used a uh, um, a rock ray, or you should have used the Yeti to make. So when I built the Outlaw, that was like maybe the third or fourth week after Clayton's first video with uh, High Octane. Mm-hmm. So I I had already started planning to build it before I even saw how it worked. And I and then when I saw how it worked, I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm building this. And so yeah. I I searched around. And, uh, I saw a buddy of mine had a, just a stock roller, uh, Exoterra. And it, that, uh, for the, for the people listening, uh, was kind of Axial's first kind of rock racer, desert racer. Um, and it's, uh, fully independent, front and rear, uh, independent suspension. And then, you know, and then they built the Yeti, which is a solid rear axle, but front independent. And then the race, which is all solid. And then now the bomber, which is all solid, but a trailing arm. So that was kind of like their progression of their rock racer that they have for the public. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, like the other fellows, was like, well, if I'm going to build something that I possibly want to sell, you know, I got to make it fit, uh, you know, a stock chassis. Mm-hmm. So I, I just modeled it off there after, um, or, or built it off of the the Exoterra, and gotcha. so when I built that, um, I had it for maybe uh, I finished it, put it on the old desk, took a picture of it, put it on Instagram, and my buddy messaged me, and he was like, "What do I have to give you to get that?" Ooh. And so I was like, "Oh man, like, do I want to sell it? I don't yeah. know." So I sat probably for about half a year, man, and it was RTR ready to go. Like I could have put a battery in it, and but I didn't want it to take, you know, go out and snap something or break something, and then you know the next day try and sell it or something. So I just sat on it and sat on it, and uh, and then he came back. Like I said, I think it was about a month after I finished it, and he just kind of threw a price at me and I was like, well, you know, I could probably build two more for that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I just, I gave it to him. Right. He, and he was a, you know, he also had, I guess to make a, a, a joke would be like, he was like the Brandon Davis, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like he, every time I'd go to sell a chassis, he'd yeah. buy it. So he has yeah. my old unfinished business chassis, which is all, built with like F9 axles, like it's, mm-hmm. you know, probably a $2,500 rig. Mm-hmm. And then he, when he bought the outlaw from me, it was just like basically bone stock um, in terms of like plastic and everything. And he it completely converted it all to, you know, vanquish all metal. Right. So mm-hmm. now like people always ask what it's worth now. I don't think he's let it go for less than 25. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's a, uh, that'd be a tough one. 
It is. And, uh, man, it, that thing, that thing worked. Like it, we took it to some of the local spots that we have around here and mm-hmm. with, with some tuning and stuff, like he, that could have definitely been a, a contender. So, but uh, that was the one I, that's the one I kicked myself for getting rid of, man. I have it here on the shelf, to be honest, if I still had it. So. Yeah, man, I understand. Trust me. It's, uh, I think that's the, that's the picture I got more response on than I have in a long time. About, like just announcing a podcast, man, people went nuts yeah. about it. So. Yeah, well, it, it felt pretty cool seeing old busted knuckles throw it up there on their page. I thought, <laughs> I'd, I'd actually, um, around the time that, uh, uh, Clayton had that uh, that, that accident. Um, uh, Gilbert actually messaged me to uh, have one built or to either get that one for his dad. Um, it, but you know, just stuff didn't happen, and I'm not sure. I just haven't talked to him ever since that. So, mm-hmm. but uh, so that you know, just that alone was was pretty pretty cool to uh, you know just have the, the main dudes that. We replicate them after, you know, message it. You know, I live up way up here in middle of nowhere, Canada, you know what I mean? And have, you know, Busted Knuckle or, you know, Clayton or Gilbert message me. I thought that was pretty cool. So. Yeah, dude. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's something that I'm starting to experience with the podcast is I'm having drivers reach out to me like, Hey man, when can you fit me in? And I'm just like, okay, this is, uh, it's pretty cool. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I got to say, here. I, I gotta say, like, I, I can't appreciate this enough, man. Like, this is, this is awesome for having me on here. Dude, man, I, I, I've gotten you requested multiple times. So it's a, it's a two-way street. And, um, you know, like I said earlier before we got on the show, I'm about to, uh, parade you with questions about how to build the right rig. So this is going to be more beneficial for, for me than anyone else. Um, yeah. but it leads, you know, all that being said, it leads you into the current, uh, the current car you have, you have now. Um, you did mention already that it is a leading arm car, um, which essentially, for those who don't know, uh, it's just trailing arms in the front, and I'm assuming trailing arms in the rear. Uh, is there anything else, you know, notably special other than the chassis design um, that and people would kind of want to hear about? Um, yeah. So, uh, well, I guess I'll start. I'll start with the whole leading arm thing. Um, they had been doing it for a while in the Ultra 4 RC mm-hmm. racing. Um, you see Fab, he builds some crazy rigs. I know, uh, I know Tim Graham has a couple of spec, uh, U4 chassis that he builds for racers. So, I mean, there's, and, and they're, they're all leading arm, uh, was my point. Um, and, you know, they work. And, uh, you know, I was, I did it, uh, to, well, the first time I did it was on my uh, Buck Wild chassis. Um, mm-hmm. I did kind of like an offset kind of cab, uh, almost like a Rapture buggy slash outlaw kind of chassis. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that was the first buggy that I did leading it. And I, I had, I used, I think it was like 90 mil shocks. They're relatively small in the scheme of things now. Um, so, but where it's leading arm and trailing arm, you have a lot more axle travel relative to the shock travel versus mm-hmm. you have the shock uh mounted to the axle so um but it just still wasn't really enough for what i wanted i found when i had the suspension uh set to the weight of the buggy um i i was using too much of the the suspension so it, it's ride height and sit height um it's just I didn't have much up travel to really 
like smash stuff and, and use that to my advantage. So, uh, but I was a huge fan, man. Like it, it, you know, and everyone will say like, you know, there's this, it's, there's this, there's that people do this or what, you know, there's a million different things that you can do, but I just find personally, um, with a properly set up, uh, front end, you can really utilize that trailing arm. Um, I think one of the, uh, or not, I don't think one of the Colton brothers, he runs uh leading arm now too. Mm-hmm. And you know, that buggy just seems to be killing it. So, you know, it, it, it definitely is something in the RC world uh that I really think if guys are willing to go out and build a chassis, you might as well try it because, you know, I did and I, I found it worked. So the, uh, the difference between that one and uh, never satisfied as uh, I, I ran 120 mil shocks front and rear mm-hmm. and, and two, two on each corner. So, you know, a bypass and a coilover. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then the other thing, the real thing I would say that stood out with this chassis was definitely the bump stops. Okay. Um, I, I, uh, tried to get the 949 design ones, mm-hmm. um, but he was waiting on either the pad or something to do with them. And, and I was just like, had all the parts sitting on the bench. Like all I needed was, was those to start the build and he just couldn't get them to me. So I was like, well, I guess I'll just, just do it and I'll do it on the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just sitting there and the hardware for uh, these buggies that it's all pretty much the same. Um, it fits in three sixteenth brake line, like perfect. Oh, really? So, yeah. So I just got like, I think it was like a 50 mil long bolt and I sent it through about a half inch of brake line and I threw a big spring from a pen and a nut and man, it works. I was like, no way. So I just, I tacked it all into place in the front mm-hmm. and I just uh, put the, the pads on the, I have the bump stops actually hit the top of the uh, the front of the trailing arms or leading arms. Yeah, I'm actually I'm looking at you have a video on your Instagram and your Instagram for those listening is RC Fabratory F A B O R A T O R Y, and and you have a pretty nice walk around where it shows very clearly how you have the bump stop set up, um, and that's genius, man. I love it. Yeah, the back the back was quite tricky. I I see that. Really, I couldn't really figure it out. I was like, man. Uh, I really got to, I want to try and run bump stops in the back. And it just so happened, like, the sway bar lined up with the top of the back of the chassis, and I could make the pads hit the sway bar links. So mm-hmm. I was like, wow, like, you know, sometimes when you're building, some of that stuff just happens, you know what I mean? So Yeah, absolutely. Just, I, I, and then, you know, it, it seems to be like a, a conversation point. Like, everyone's like, oh, it's so cool how it's, how it hits that and it's like man you wouldn't believe it just happened you know what i mean well i mean look there's a difference though when you have someone who's skilled knows how to build something you know things like that can happen but if you have someone like me where my first chassis was basically like one side had a 45 degree angle the other side had maybe a 60 you know that doesn't happen on just random (laughs) so it takes a good order to make it happen no, I'll I'll uh, I'll send you a picture of my first one, and you yeah. can you can po- you can post that up on your page just so people know because I got it. I always set it up on a little shelf mm-hmm. next to, next to like basically the last chassis I had, so I can kind of see like my first two right now. So it's pretty cool. Like, 
Okay. I'll, I'll take a picture and send you. You'll, you'll, you'll just, you'll die laughing because it's hilarious. I'll, I'll but, do my best to find, uh, the one that I built. I built one in 2013 and that yeah. SCX10 buggy and man, it, it's, it is bad. No way around it. It's just bad. It could be better than mine, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, anyways, um, so I just want to do a quick run through of the electronics you're using right now. Um, it seems like once you find something that works, you're stuck with it. Um, what do you like to use uh, for your receiver and motor combo? Um, well, um, I'll I'll just I'll say this just so everyone like understands like when I build a new chassis, I you know I don't buy new parts. Mm-hmm. So every every chassis I've, I've built utilizing the the same setup is it's all been the same gear I've had since day since day one. Mm-hmm. So um, when I started, I bought a buddy of mine who had like a, a crazy built race. Um, someone posted up uh, uh, Mamba Pro, Mamba Max Pro, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, MMP, and then uh, Castle uh, Rock Four Twelve. 3100 and he just sent me the ad and he was like this is what you need so i i bought that and i've literally had the same esc and motor for the last you know six six years or so so that's awesome yeah (laughs) i I seem to have had electrical issues plague me every single time i get a car because i've fried like two escs and like motors just never work out and i just can't ever seem to get the electronics to play nice and i finally got nice electronics that will not give me issues anymore so i uh hopefully won't have to deal with that anymore yeah and 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 to be honest man like as good as your motor and esc is um your gearing is huge man Mm -hmm. so you can go and buy you know you can go drop four or five hundred dollars on a motor censored motor and an esc you know the mama max pro but or the the x now they have but like Mm -hmm. if you if you gear it wrong like you're 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 kind of killing killing the the potential of it. So mm-hmm. you know having, I mean I don't know. This is the way I kind of look at it. People might think it differently, but like you have you have a crazy motor and ESC setup. So say that's like a thousand horsepower, mm-hmm. and then then you have like you know uh, just a, a typical motor, but you have it geared properly. Like it's like having horsepower that's tuned. Mm-hmm. So like I mean now you can go right into the ESCs and you can change your throttle curve like it's it's no different than than the real stuff like you know guys are hooking their laptops up to uh you know an EFI system mm-hmm. we're we're hooking our speed controllers up to our cell phones now I mean it's crazy so but the gearing the gearing makes a huge difference and I found once I found the proper gearing for my motor and buggy mm-hmm. I was I was I had a lot easier time like tuning it like mechanically okay so i mean that's that's kind of what i would recommend definitely to anybody that's looking to drop like go get yourself a good motor and a good esc but but spend time gearing it properly because that's what's really going to help you utilize all that potential so that's what I want to spend the remainder of the time talking about as your tuning process. Um, and just so we don't miss it, uh, what kind of uh, servo do you like to use? Um, I think it's a 1211 Savox. Okay. I'm pretty sure. I I should probably have my buggy in front of me, but um, <laughs> You're it's, fine. Still, it's still in the truck from the race last weekend. So. Yeah. But, uh, but um, 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a 1211 uh, Savox. And, you know, I was buying, like, uh, you know, $80, $90 servos and blowing them out. Like, I was like, man, I can't do this. Like, this mm-hmm. is crazy. And uh, I just, I went in and I was like, what's the best servo I can get for 200 bucks? <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. that, that's what they showed me. And that's what's been on it for the last uh, two, three three years maybe even longer so um now i also run uh steering stops mm-hmm. on on my uh on my front axle so i find sometimes uh like you know you, if it goes way past like you're that's what's gonna really strip your servo and, and break your servo too so mm-hmm. like i try and i try and limit that as much as i can i mean it's obviously inevi- inevitable in this part of the hobby like the front end just takes so much abuse so it's uh it's good to see that there's a few uh companies that are are standing behind their stuff now because mm-hmm. i mean i find uh those questions like what's the best blank and it's just you know 70 80 comments of mm-hmm. this is better that's better you know it's whatever doesn't break is good mm-hmm. i don't i don't care if it's the top of the line name brand stuff or if it's like thirty bucks to your door on eBay stuff, like if it works, it works. I, yeah. you know, I must say, drive shaft by MIP. Like don't, don't, <laughs> don't skip out. Go get MIP. Like don't try and buy stuff and make it work. It won't work. Get MIP. But every, <laughs> but anything else, like whatever works, man, do it. Like that's what I'm a big, big fan of. Whatever yeah. works, do it because there's guys out there that swear by IFS. There's mm-hmm. guys out there that swear by leading there. There's guys, you know what I mean? So it yeah. never, never ends. You're, you're always going to have, and, and, and they might be, you know what I mean? Like that's the mm-hmm. other thing about it is you can always try different stuff, but I, I definitely feel that if you get something right, just stick with it. Like that's, yeah. that's yeah. So let me ask you, um, let's just go through the process. Um, because uh, this, this is going to be the meat here of what I want to talk about. Um, so I'm going to use myself as an example for the listeners. Um, so we have like kind of a test case. Um, I have the Mamba Monster uh, X uh, ESC, so it's fully programmable. Um, I have a 3800 kilovolt Castle Creations motor. Um, that seems to be, you know, a, a generic recommendation um, from people. I kind of went somewhere in the middle of everywhere. Um, now, kilovolts, the higher you go, the more output you're supposed to have. But like, I think it's like the higher, the higher KV is like your RPM. So it's like right. a fast, it's a faster RPM, but your torque, your torque is less. So it's right. kind of like, it's like the gearing on a BMX. Like you can have like a big, huge front sprocket and you can go 300 miles an hour, or you can have that little granny gear and climb a vertical mountain. So, mm-hmm. like, having that big KVA is, is good. And really in the rock bouncing, like, our rigs, like, we all kind of, I can only assume from just, like, reading comments and stuff, like, a lot of these builder, racer guys, we all keep our chassis, like, definitely under 10 pounds. Mm-hmm. And it, it looks like 8 is kind of, like, the, the bank, the bullseye. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm running, mine's, like, 8.4, I think, with with that might be with the 2200 or it might be without, but you know, so that's what we all kind of aim for. So you, you, you want to have 
like a heavy rig, but when, you know, we're, God knows what those wheels are spinning at. Like, when they <laughs> yeah. look, you know what I mean? Like, you just, yeah. who knows? Who knows? There's no way to tell, but like, it's fast. Yeah. And definitely. if you, you, you're, you're wide open and you hit that ledge and that wheel stops, like all that force goes somewhere. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you do want to have that, that power, but you want to make sure that, you know, it's, it's being it's being usable because you don't want to just put some monster system in it and then just break shit all the time because they will yeah they sure will they will eat they will eat the entire car um so that being said um you know going through the power plant process uh, what would you recommend i mean you mentioned earlier you run a 3100 kilovolt is that correct yeah i got a 3100 um i i would probably say from 3,000 to 5,000 would probably be what would I I would consider a safe, depending on gear and also right. But like that would be like I mean now there's I know there's more and there's there's crazier setups and stuff. But like I don't know man like I I find uh, the 3100 with the way I have it set up it has good response. You know I I it's not I got it toned down a bit I'd say like. I can't really blow my tires off like some of the other buggies you see them balloon right out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know phones and stuff do have uh, a, an impact on that, but I mean, you got to look at how fast that wheel's spinning. Like, that's true. I mean, they'll they'll come right off the bead, man. So to me, it's like you know, you want to have that, but you want to have it usable, right? It, yeah. it, it'd be like having like you know, you go put a you know an NHRA top fuel motor and a rock bounce 11,000 horsepower like yeah it might help you in some cases but like how much of that is is useful you know what I mean like you do need traction and to do traction to get traction you know in some cases you need a little bit slower uh wheel speed yeah that's that's really what gives you traction I mean you think of burnouts right the faster the tires the less the less less friction man it's just it's how it is so but so talk, uh, to me, talk to me about suspension because i think that that's the that's the question mark that everyone seems to just either neglect completely or they just don't know enough um you know i will we'll break it down in spring and then like shock fluid um but the first thing i think worth mentioning is shock links um you know why are stock shocks not good enough Lengthwise, um, well, I mean, it all de- it, it really it all depends, man. Because like, I mean, you see guys that have like, um, you know, eighty, ninety mil shocks on on buggies that work work fine. Like, uh, mm-hmm. there's a fellow around here that has one of the Jenkins um, chassis, mm-hmm. and he, man, he's got that thing dialed. And I'm pretty sure he's only got like ninety or a hundred mil shocks on it, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really it all it all depends. But like I wanted a lot more up travel. Mm-hmm. So when I built my buggy, I wanted it when it's sitting at you know the the trailing and leading arms or you know parallel, uh, you know to the to the bottom of the skid at ride height where I wanted it. Um, that my shocks were halfway through their travel. Mm-hmm. So when my buggy's just at ride height, it's still got another, you know half the shock and where it's leading and where it's leading arm and trailing arm there's even more at the axle so that was my biggest uh you know 
feature when, when I built that one was like, I definitely wanted bigger shocks. Um, I ran multiple on this one. Uh, so I have like, they're the exact same shock. It's just mm-hmm. one, it's just one strip of the, of the, the coil, right? So, um, in my, in my compression, like my spring side, um, I run just like a, a 20 weight mm-hmm. and I just, I put in like, maybe like a quarter of oil, like just enough to keep it lubricated. Mm-hmm. And that shock is only used for the the compression and, and the spring rate. And then on my bypass, um, I run like a 40 weight and I'll mm-hmm. fill up, I'll fill it up about halfway. And so that's basically when, uh, the way it works for me, like I, you know, there's videos on my, on my Instagram. People can go check it out, but you can actually see in the slow mo, like where the rebound and stuff actually helps. So like I'll smash a ledge and the front end will come up and the, the axle will just like slowly, it'll like, it'll fall and then it'll just like slowly fall. So you can actually watch the rebound working. Mm-hmm. in the video which is which is pretty cool and i i just kind of do what i think works man mm-hmm. and you know i have a little bit of background from from racing mountain bikes and stuff because we were always messing with the the shocks so like i understand compression i understand rebound dampening preload all that stuff and mm-hmm. I, it's just cool that with the rc stuff you can actually tune it you know what i mean it, like yeah, i got yeah. i got uh six or seven bottles of uh, weight fluid right from 10 up to I think I got 60 or 70 so I I have everything and they're all about half full so like I've tried all kinds of stuff and I'll I'll, I'll say this like every buggy I build like my idea of how I tune the suspension is the same but what I put in it to make it do that is always different Mm-hmm. So even though I build the same buggy basically every time, just changing geometry of stuff, mm-hmm. I still always have to mess with the suspension to get it. So like, I the, my biggest thing that I, I always find funny is people like, how should I set my shocks up? And guys are like, put 15 weight in it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's like okay, but like what what is your goal? Like, do you just want to have the buggy be able to drive? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to like smash ledges? And, and that's what I build for is like I hit stuff hard. I, you know, it's rock bouncing, right? Like you can crawl it, you can motor your way about it. But like when I build buggies, like I'm looking to get up there as fast as I can. And the faster that you go, the harder you hit stuff. So you have to, you have to make up for it. And I find suspension's huge, man, but there's always, like, it, it can always be better. Always, like, you, you see it in the, even in the one-to-one and every racing aspect, like, suspension is, like, up there. It's the second or even first priority in, in some cases, right? So. Absolutely. It's, it's still, I mean, like, yeah, you know, it's an RC car, but everything's the same. It's all mm-hmm. related and it's, because it's on a tenth scale, I don't know if it just seems it to me, but like you notice stuff way more. Mm-hmm. So like I find you can, you know, a little change here and there makes mm-hmm. a world of difference in these because there's everything's so much smaller. So, so, so let me ask you this. Um, and I'm again, uh, for those who don't know, I'm building the car right now. 
to race in what I think will be a New Year's race uh, in Middle Tennessee. Um, information is still getting worked out. We're trying to figure out what we want to do here. But um, I've got a IFS car and a solid axle in the rear, and I have found that, you know, I'm going I'm to just do a very quick run-through of suspension for those who don't know. Um, preload, when you adjust the uh, preload ring on your shock, that only controls ride height. It doesn't control how fast the axle will move up. It doesn't control how fast the axle will move down. Um, the, those two things are – or it doesn't control absorption. Um, those two things are directly determined by the springs and the shock setup with the weights he was mentioning, which is essentially – um, the fluid that's in the shock. Um, so my question for you, Sam, is uh, what what's better? What, what's a better way of thinking about it? Or can you explain to me um, if I want to be able to hit a hit a ledge really hard? Do I need a stiffer spring rate? Do I need a lighter shock oil, a heavier shock oil? You know, what should the thought process be? How, you know, when I say, okay, I want to hit this ledge and it's not as smooth as I, as, as I want it to be, um, you know, what should be my first thing I try? Yeah, well, I mean, in in terms of a racing aspect, you you typically move uh, move quicker, faster by keeping your wheels on the ground. Mm-hmm. So, in the racing aspect of tuning suspension, in in my opinion, um, if I hit a ledge, I want you know I'm going to want to have a medium in, in in relation to the buggy we're testing. Obviously, um, I, you know you're going to want to have like a medium to heavier spring, um, so that you you want it to suck it up, but you don't want to like have a hard bottom out. Mm-hmm. So. You wanna you wanna be able to take that hit, but then because the spring is either a medium or a heavy weight, now it's going to uh you know, it's gonna pop out a lot quicker mm-hmm. versus having a soft spring rate. So and that's what's gonna you know, you hit a ledge and your rig just, you know, ejects backwards. Mm-hmm. So what you wanna control is the rebound which is the rate that your shock uh, decompresses, mm-hmm. um, the speed. And to do that um, is, is what I use the different weights of uh, shock oil for. So you want a slower, uh, like, less aggressive rebound. You go with, like, a, a medium to a heavy weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that is also going to determine, like, I'm not going to say a weight number because right. it could be, you have five rigs in front of you. It could be different in all five. So um, that's the way I look at that. And then say if you wanted to have your uh, spring um, decompress quicker, you would go from, like, a medium to, a, you know, to a very low weight, like a 10 or a 20. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's just going to allow the plunger – to uh, rip through the oil quicker. So mm-hmm. for the listeners, like inside the shock of the RC vehicles, there's like a plunger on top of the shaft, and inside the actual chamber uh, is where the plunger goes, like a piston. The weight oil are the thickness of them. So uh, the thinner oil, the plunger can move through quicker. The thicker the oil, it has a harder time to go through it. So that's that's how I adjust with my rebound and I, I set up to a medium spring rate, uh, medium to soft. 
um, and I run uh, like 40 in my in my bypasses, uh, 40 weight oil, and I run I think like I said before I think it's like 10 or 15 in the shock, but in the spring side just enough to lubricate it basically and keep it sliding in there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's how, so, I, that's how I set it up. So essentially, uh, you know, as far as spring rates go, and, and you know, I'm just going to toss this out there because this is just a good way to – I want you to – if you were having a conversation with somebody, I want you, I want the listeners to be able to hear that. So I have a – what I would say probably closer to heavy spring rate in the front. Um, yeah. I would argue that the shockweight oil is too thin. Um in the front because I am getting some of that rebound up off the off the front. Um but in the rear, however, I have a very soft spring and I think I have the exact same shock weight in the back. So I get this very live rear axle. And um, you know, in terms of hill killing with the race mindset, is that what you want out of that rear axle very soft, like floating immediately back to the ground axle? Um so uh personally i would uh recommend like a stiffer uh stiffer setup in the rear um you could probably keep you probably keep the same weight for the rebound but definitely a stiffer spring setup Because um, when you're on a hill and you hammer it all that all that weight is thrown backwards right so you want to try and keep that that the buggy nose pointed like straight up the hill and not and not pointing backwards so right. Um, that's what I do there. Uh, sway bars are huge. Mm-hmm. Like, sway, like the the difference between a like even a stock bomber and yep, and, then bomber. and then a bomber with a sway bar is is ridiculous. Like yeah. I mean, yeah. that car to me, the fact that they don't put one on there from the like from the factory, that's yeah. ridiculous. I mean, they should at least give you. I mean, I don't know anything about building mass quantities of RC cars, but it'd be nice. It'd be nice if they just you know put it in the kit. Mm-hmm. You know, and you you crack it out of that model casting, and you can use it if you want, right? Like it's right. it's just it's a bar a bar and two arms. Like I can't really see, but the function, man. Like I've seen guys with like built uh, bombers with no with no sway bar, sway bars, and they just like mat it, and it just flips over, and yeah, it's like tough. wow, like and then you know against the, a vehicle with a sway bar like it really puts that that power down so that's also another way like sway bars are super tunable too like uh, there's so much stuff you can do with those so they're definitely going to help cut down the choppiness of the rear end uh for like floating over like small ledges and just like little, little sections and then uh i mean i don't wouldn't really recommend one in the front um, I I do on never satisfied only because like it's crazy the amount of travel that lead and iron buggies have so yeah. that that axle just goes berserk up there it's insane so I just try and keep mine a little controlled with the shocks I'm running mm-hmm. but uh, but for a regular buggy like I I'd say just run one in the back but that's definitely a big big help too to your to your rear suspension yeah absolutely and I have one on there right now. Yeah. Um, but it, uh, yeah, I definitely will invest because I think that you're exactly right in what you said about having the, the spring rate back there. And, you know, essentially how I've, how I've seen to learn to drive and big disclaimer, if no one hears anything else this entire episode, this is the most important thing to make your rig better and to figure out how to do all this is driver time. Just drive it. 
just go drive it and you'll figure out what needs to be changed and you'll get better at driving it. And even if your car kind of sucks, if you can drive it, it'll work, you know? And it's free. I mean, unless yep. you break a whole bunch of stuff, but right. like, <laughs> you know, I got, I got a bunch of hills carved in the, the backyard here. I call it the abusement park, man. It's just, I'm actually building Cable Hill. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. Like got it all carved out right now. I'm going to quick create it, I think before the fall, but, yeah, um, you know, I want to make the craziest hills that are like, there's one or a couple right now that are just, they're undoable. Like, I mean, I, well, as of now. So I, I find like, just make it, you know, as hard as you can, because that's going to be the best practice is just going out there and running your rig on, on, you know, in terms of rock bounce and RC, you know, it, or anything really, the seat time is, is, is key. Just like always, always have the control in your hand. You know, go and, and just rip it as much as you can because it doesn't matter how much adjustment you do on the bench. Like, you, you can't learn if you're not running it. So Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um, well, congratulations on, on uh, I think you said last weekend you had a race. It looks like you took first place there. Um, yeah. Congratulations. Uh, are you going to be at any other events where people can see you? I know you're in Canada, but um, are you planning a trip down to the States anytime? Um, yeah, well, uh, we're going to definitely do the mountain, uh, mud run in New Hampshire. We did that this year. Uh, that was, that was a blast. Curtis, Curtis and, uh, Nick put on a, a, a wicked event. Um, and there was a crazy turnout, man. I mean, I, I don't quote me on this, but I think there was about 20 people there. So That's awesome. um, that was a, that was an amazing experience. And then, you know, to walk, a walk away with the, uh, the king of the mountain there with never satisfied was, was just, uh, icing on the cake, really. So we got to go see some of the, the biggest names in, you know, went and talked to Bobby Tanner and all the, all the fellas. So that was pretty cool. So we're probably going to do that again. Um, I definitely, if I, I don't think I'm going to make the, um, the finals this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was planning on hitting that up, doing a, a trip down there. But uh, just some stuff came up, and it's not going to happen. But I think next year I'm going to really try to get down to one of the uh, National Rock Racing Series. I mean, they're all they're all a day or day and a half drive away from me anyway. So like, I don't know what one we get to, but it's definitely going to be one of the big ones. So, but yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely one of them, and the Mountain Mud Run for sure. Well, that's awesome, man. Uh, I know that our listeners will be looking forward to it. So the million-dollar question that everybody is going to ask me and ask you, um, do you build these cages for production? Can someone call you and have one built for them? Um, I do, but, uh, you know, it's – it's. I have kind of like three rules, and you got to – you know, you got to – you got to go by those rules. And if you can't, which some, some people can't, and I don't – I can't – you know, it is what it is, right? But uh, that's that's how I do it. So I mean, if you meet the criteria and you really want a chassis, like I'll I'll build one. All right, tell me about them. What are they? So uh, I don't uh, I don't buy parts and I don't have rigs to use like for mock-ups. So mm-hmm. in the case of uh, if you want a rig, uh, you basically have to send me some parts. Um, you know, I got a box probably worth about thirty five hundred bucks sitting here on the counter right now and uh buddy gave me the green light and that's going to be probably my next 
rowdiest build. There's going to be a lot of new stuff on that too that I, I haven't done before. So, I mean, I definitely build for whoever, but you know, it, I don't do it for a living or or like to, on the side to make money. So for me, it's just like I really, you know, really got to want to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, the, so, so, so the easier they make it, the easier it is for me to build one for them. So they got to ship you parts. I'm assuming that also means if you don't have the platform, say for example, like a Yeti. If you don't have a Yeti, I got to ship you my Yeti, and get you yeah. everything that you can build it. Um, yeah. What are the other two requirements? Uh, I do a, like a quarter down payment, uh, yep. depending on the chassis that you want, um, and I don't typically uh, like just like freehand. So you got to have like, you know, you just got to have your ducks blind. You got to have the money. You got to have the parts and you got to know what you want. And that's basically my three rules to uh, building for people. And, and, you know, and, uh, like I said, it, the easier you make it, the easier it is for me to start one for you. So, yeah. And I, I don't think any of those three are, you know, outrageous by any means. So, you know, no. don't, don't feel bad for, I no. don't know if people give you crap about that, but that's, that's pretty reasonable. Yeah. Um, so the last and final question, quite possibly the most important, um, you know, you don't have to give an exact number, or if you don't want to answer and, and it's different in every case, feel free. Um, but ballpark, what's it take, uh, all said and done, price-wise, to get to get a chassis from you? You can um, ballpark it. Yeah, so I'll do like, uh, so if you have like just a race platform or a bomber platform, um, I'll do like like 400 to 450. Um, on, on like a, a replica, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, that includes, uh, like powder coat, um, and panels if the select buggy has panels. Um, and, and so, yeah, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not crazy. I use, I use brake line, which is like another reason some guys don't really like it, but, um, the, all the sub chassis solid, um, all the motor mounts and everything's all solid, but uh, I just run brake lines, so mm -hmm. it's all it's all TIG welded. Um, that's how I build them. But uh, but but yeah, man, it's usually that. Um, when it gets into like you know, if you want some crazy, you know, if someone came to me and was like, hey, I want never satisfied, you know, it mm -hmm. probably it'd probably be seven eight hundred bucks. Yeah, you know, yeah, gotcha. and that makes sense though. Yeah. But yeah, just um, a basic a basic replica chassis for a bomber race would probably be like four fifty. Cool, man. Cool. Um, well, that's pretty much all I had for you. Is there anybody you want to give a shout out to or anything like that? Uh, well, definitely you, man, for sure. Like big, I'm definitely I'm definitely a big fan of the uh, of the show, and uh, definitely I you know keep keep up to date with all your new stuff. So it's definitely you know I'm saying a big thank you for having me on here. It feels pretty cool. Um, and, uh, you know, like with, in, in my world, without a doubt, Nick, uh, Nick RC command, you guys can follow him on everything with that name. Um, that guy, like people don't give him the credit that he deserves. Like the amount of stuff that mm -hmm. that guy's done in just the year that I've talked to him is, is, is unreal. So, uh, definitely a big uh, shout to him and, uh, uh, the New Hampshire boys for when we were down there, uh, for the mountain mud run, um, Curtis and uh, a couple of the other fellows down there, man. Just great hospitality, man. And, uh, you know, can't wait to see them again uh, next year. So, yeah. Well, that's good. Uh, I do have one more little tidbit of information. Um, I actually reached out to him today 
And uh, I think we've scheduled, we're going to schedule the interview next week. Um, I told him he's going to listen to this episode. So if you're hearing this right now, um, Richard, thank you for listening. Uh, but I will have on next week uh, one of the senior product developers from Horizon. So I am super stoked about that because uh, I'm going to talk to them about uh, Capra and I'm going to talk to them about where the future is going and, uh, you know, kind of the process of how they decide what gets built and how it gets built and uh, a very high level, you know, picture of how our favorite uh, hobby came to life, you know? Yeah, man, that's that's big, dude. Keep Keep doing your thing. This is awesome. Well, we appreciate it, man. Uh, I know it's a it's a one man show for right now, but I've got an awesome, uh, awesome soon to be wife and uh, yeah. soon to be bonus kid, and uh, I couldn't do it without either of them. You know, will giving me the time to do it. So, yeah. um, congratulations on that, dude. Thank you, man. You know, it's uh, it's, it's it's all working out, and everyone's still happy, and uh, we're still going through with everything. So everything's in uh, you know about as good a shape as I can ask for. Awesome, man. But uh, that's pretty much all I had. If you'll stay on the line for me, um, we'll just talk for a few minutes after. Um, Sam, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, it's been a pleasure, and I'm really glad to have had the opportunity. Yeah, man. I, thanks. Thank you, and uh, thanks. Thanks to all the people that are going to tune in and listen and share it, man. It's, it's been a, a, a awesome opportunity. All right, man. Let me uh, cut this off, and we'll get to talking. Yeah. Thanks everybody for listening to the show. Me and my golden retriever Nash want to personally thank you guys. If you guys don't mind, go to iTunes or Spotify, wherever you choose to listen, uh, and leave us a five-star review if you love it. Um, it would be great. It really helps us gain a lot of traction. People can find us a little bit better. If you don't, if you don't like us on Facebook, like us on Facebook. Um, that's a huge deal as well. We just crossed over a thousand, and I'm going to find something to do for a thousand. I haven't really decided yet. Um, we're still kind of nailing something out, so we're getting that figured out. But uh, Pack Racing Springs is a hundred years of quality United States made in America springs. Um, I really like working with those guys. I'm gonna pimp out that that episode I did with Chris because there's just so much information there about spring rates, about getting the perfect ride for your car, whether it's full size or side by side or anything in between. Pack Racing Springs has an application for you. They also have a discount code, um, ROR, that's available on RacingSprings.com. Um, or if you don't know exactly what you need, once you get on their website, they've got everything listed there. I highly recommend giving them a call and just talking about your application. Talk about what you're building. Talk about what you want it to feel like, how you want it to perform, and they'll get you hooked up with the kit you need. Um, <laughs> They're just really good guys. I, I'm really glad that they've chosen to be a part of the show. And not only that, but I'm really glad that a, a company that has the reputation of Pack Racing Springs um, chose to sponsor us. So, again, ever thankful for those guys there. Um, also, Infinite Off-Road, rock lights, pods, light bars, everything, whips, wheel rings, all of everything you could ever want. It comes with a 25-year, you-break-it-they-fix-it warranty. Um, Love dealing with those guys. InfiniteOffRoad.com. They even do carry some hard parts, some things, you know, miscellaneous things, including a really, really, really awesome uh, custom one-off style cage from Wide Open Design that Mike Noggle himself, the owner of Infinite Off-Road, he runs on his Razor. Super unique, uh, really cool stuff. All Things UTV is also a sponsor of the show. I've, I just will talk about it all day, every day. Um, the RS1 diff swap is like a very rare thing to find. 
Dustin and his team at All Things UTV have the complete package for you. They've got the actual diff itself, they've got the swap kit, and they even have turbo axles to go into that kit if that's what you need to do to make your Razor compatible for that RS1 diff. They also offer a slew of other enhancements and products and accessories for any vehicle that you seem to have. Um, and like I said, hard parts, whether that's uh, differential upgrades, uh, suspension components, tires, wheels, blow-off valves, performance, even comfort seats, everything you can think of. All things UTV is where you want to go to go get those things. Um, tell them Racing on the Rock sent you. And uh, without further ado, y'all, that's pretty much it. Thanks for listening.